Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk to leaders about how they grow people, how they grow revenue, how they grow themselves. And before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about a project we're working on. It's called Project Happiness. And Project Happiness is all about, this is my mission, how to make the world a happier place. And one of the ways we're doing that is collecting videos from people. And basically what they do is say, you know, Hi, my name's Bob, and what makes me happy is... And just the other day, I was talking to someone, and they submitted a video in, and it was like, uh, Hi, my name's Barry, and what makes me happy is hearing the laughter of my grandkids. And the way he said it, his body language, it just makes you smile. And that's what we want to do, is to share these videos with the world. So please send them in to us. You can find a link on our show notes where to send them in. And the hope is when people see those videos, they go, You know what? I can do that. And today I talked to a happy person. Today I have the privilege of having John Frazier with me. He is a coach that helps people become awesomer. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Umar. Hope you're doing well today. Ah, doing excellent. So happy to be talking because ultimately at the end of the day, what really counts is us reaching our potential, whatever that is. And one of the ways to measure that is happiness. But so few of us actually reach that level. And one of the ways to do that is to get a coach that helps us see our blind spots. Because if we could see what was really going on, we can go, oh my God, this is going on. I've got a chance of fixing it. And if I've got a coach, I get to see it and also someone to help me fix it. So John, as we get started, give me your best definition of coaching. What is coaching? Coaching is really helping people to achieve um, their best performance um, and, and, and doing a lot of what you just said, helping them to, to you know, really identify what it is that they're trying to work on, understand where they're starting from, um, help them get over the, some of the challenges, um, the, the, the mindset challenges. And I know we had a yes. good conversation about that recently. Um, and how to deal with pressure um, and, and, and take pressure and, and turn it into high performance. So let's talk about that. Oftentimes, uh, like for example, if you actually take a look at what anxiety is for a lot of people and you get out of the meaning you make out of it, it's like physically what's happening in your body? Well, I'm feeling this feeling right over here and it's awful. I said, okay, excellent. Now tell me when you're excited. Where do you feel that? It's right over here and I feel fantastic. Could it be that it's the same feeling? We're just putting a different meaning on it? Does that hypothesis sound close to accurate or is it just hooey? No, no, I, I think so. And it's really people need to, to, to be able to step back and have some context around what's causing those feelings inside of them. Um, why, why are they causing it? They need to, to learn to be able to control um, some of the external factors um, and, and spin that around from something that causes them angst to something that causes them excitement and, and, and feel good. Um, and you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's something you can do internally. Sometimes you need professional help. Uh, and certainly coaches are, are, are there to help guide people through those challenging times. Um, everyone faces them. So John, when you were saying you need personal help, uh, you were looking at me when you said that, are, are you seeing something that I should know about? 
Well, you are a little fuzzy to me right now. So. <laughs> so one of the nice things about this technology is uh, even though we're a little fuzzy right now, it's recording you in HD on your computer and HD on mine. Right. So the end product's going to be amazing. So Fantastic. let's talk about humans and meaning-making machines. An event happens, we make meaning out of it. And there's this old joke where uh, this kid gets led into this room and is full of horse manure. And uh, kid A is like, oh, I don't want to go in here. This is like uh, a horrible place. Second kid starts digging in it and is so happy. He's like, why are you so happy? Well, with all this horse shit, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. So the meaning we make out of events is really interesting. Uh, for example, uh, Gone with the Wind, you know, the it was a great picture from like a gone by era. And there's this one scene in it where Scarlett O'Hara is, you know, everything is lost and she takes the drapes off the windows. And as she's, you know, getting a dress made, she does this one statement as God as my witness, I'll never go hungry again. So she's got nothing. And some people make everything is lost. We're going to be lost forever. And the meaning she made was, this is my battle cry. This event forced me to step up. So tell me about how we make those meanings and how can we make better meanings out of events that happen to us? Because negative events happen to all of us. Some people rebound really quickly and other people get lost forever. Well, again, I'll, I'll, you need to step back and mentally just take an assessment of, of what, you know, what is impacting you. Um, you need to be able to, to understand the context of, of the event that's happening, what it really means to you, the importance of, of, of that event. Um, is it, you know, it, why is it important? Um, what, what is the importance of it? Is it, it is it, you know, a, a life-threatening situation or is it, or is it something work-related that, you know, if it goes bad, it's bad, but it's, it's not the end of your life. There's all sorts of things that will make you happy, your family, your, 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 your pastimes, your travel, whatever, whatever, whatever else there is in your life. So you've got to be able to set, step back and put that into context and say, you know what, it's not the end of the world. It, it, it's really so not. How do you how do you do that? Because, uh, you know, sometimes people in hindsight, when they look back at an event, go, you know, maybe I overreacted or maybe the meaning I made wasn't the right one. It could have been this one. But the skill is to catch yourself in the moment. So pretend I've got this issue. How do you train me to catch myself in those moments so I can actually have that introspection and go, wait a minute, it's not the end of the world? Um, teaching people to focus, um, teaching people to understand the importance and, and, and breathing. Just step back and breathe. When when you're impacted by an event that's causing you a lot of stress, um, you you need to just stop. Um, take three big deep breaths um, and really just think about what, you know why is this impacting me. You know, you, you, everyone here is fight or flight, and you know the adrenaline gets going, all of the chemicals in your body are, are reacting. But really, at the end of the day, if you stop for a minute, um, you know, unless there's a bear chasing you. Um, but if you stop for a minute and think about, you know, by, by taking a few deep breaths and, and really just focusing on what really is happening to me and what does that impact to me? Um, imagine what the different outcomes can be using imagery. Um, you know, close your eyes and think about, um, you know, what's, what's happening and, and what does it really mean? Take some time. Uh, too many people, um, um, react too quickly. Um, and all that does is, is spin the adrenaline up and it, and it, and it really just, um, is, is self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if they think that something bad is going to happen, if they're, if they're reacting like that, it will. So what's kind of interesting is biologically, as we're hot-wired, is like some dangerous situation occurs. We go into fight or flight, but the first step in fight or flight is freeze. And animals freeze, and then they make a decision. 
Shall I run like hell or fight like hell? So biologically, and that whole process takes five milliseconds from spotting the danger to reacting. And then you got a longer pathway that takes half a second to figure it out is the intellectual one. But the biological one to save your life has that free step. And I wonder if we could somehow use that stutter that free step to take those breaths. Because if we could do that, we would make better decisions, but we get caught up in the moment. And oftentimes we make bad decisions. So how do you help people? Because some people reach a level of performance that is pretty darn good. And then beyond that, it's not a matter of not knowing what to do. It's a matter of mindset. So how do you get people that are already doing good work to be able to do great work or exceptional work? If they're stuck at good, how do you get them unstuck? Oftentimes, it's a matter of teaching them uh, how to focus their energies. So Olympic athletes, for instance, well, I'll, I'll use them as an example, the company that I was just working for um, coached Olympic athletes, or, or in, in particular, they, they were mental performance coaches. Um, and so they really take away all of the other distractions. What is important to you? Find that, that, that importance or meaning and focus on it and take away the other distractions. <laughs> Uh, that that's that's a real big one and then uh, again um, you know, leverage and harness the pressure um, the pressure can be a good thing uh, if, if it's leveraged effectively you don't it doesn't need to necessarily be something bad you know all of the the, the best performances in in profession in uh, in elite athletics are done at the Olympics and why because there's so much pressure uh, and I and I lift that. I give uh, total kudos and credit to uh, Dane Jensen, the CEO of Third Factor, who I worked with. He's a brilliant guy and wrote a great book on uh, on uh, pressure called The Power of Pressure, um, and has a lot of great things to say about that. So, he, you know, he, and it's true, and we've seen it over and over again. And, and I've, ta I've talked to high performers, and and the, and the true high performers are the ones that are able to focus and understand um, uh, how to, how to use pressure to their advantage. Absolutely. It goes back to that meaning thing, the meaning we make out of it. And some people take this thing and they call it pressure and it's crushing. And other people take the same emotion and label it something different. And because they labeled it something different, it actually is that nitrous oxide boost that allows them to just kick up to a much higher level. And so part of that is kind of training our reactions to things. So when you have teams of people and you have people that uh, take a leadership team, a leadership team pretty much is the best and brightest in the company coming together. But more times than not, when they come together, the whole is much less than the sum of the parts because you get this office politics, hidden agendas, all that kind of nasty stuff comes in. So how do you coach teams to basically let go of the ego and focus on how do we work together? There are some great assessments. The team really needs to understand who they are individually. Mm -hmm. And then they, they need to understand who they are as a team and how they interact and, and, and work with each other's strengths and weaknesses. There's some great assessments out there that, in the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, there is an IN team and, 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 and you have to start there. You have to understand who you are and how people see you and, and, and how you react to certain situations. And then you need to do that with your, with your teammates. Um, you'll get way more performance out of a team if they've gone through that thoughtful exercise than just throwing a bunch of high performers in a room together. Because uh, you're right, the, the, the sum of the parts is going to be less than, than you'd expect. So you have an understanding of the different personality types and how to communicate, but then you also have hot-wired programming to, I got to be the smartest guy in the room. 
what I've heard from a lot of people is, you know, if it's not my idea, I'm not going to sabotage it, but I'm not going to support it either. And you get that kind of selfish behavior that happens that is not about personality. It's about hot wiring. And when you have high performers getting to the top, sometimes, you know, it was their ego that got them there. So those assessments give you understanding, but how do you get people to go from understanding to actually implementation and changing their behavior? Because a good example is, and you could probably think of way more examples than I, but that dream team in hockey that won you know, the hockey world championship, whatever it's called, probably an average group of players coming together, creating something extraordinary. And so- That's right. How do we engineer that? How do you get average people to step up? Because oftentimes you can have teams with like a lot of high performers and there it's all about the stars and not about the team. So how do you get an average team to excel? The team needs to learn collaboration. They really need to focus. And, and, and again, starting with the what, what, is, what are my strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And then to understand the importance of, of fitting those pieces together effectively. Um, and, and that's, and that's where a, a really great coach, and I'll, I'll take this into sports, for example, um, can, can really help out. They will step back and understand the strengths and weaknesses of the team, and they will focus on the development, um, and, and, and using the skills of, of each of the individuals together, um, to, to, to make a greater whole. Um, and, and, and there are, there are a lot of, you know, really great strategies. And, and, and again, I'm going to go back to that assessment. And there's one in particular, the, uh, the individual style assessment, the taste assessment, is, has mm-hmm. been used in Olympic athletes, business. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Um, it's a fantastic tool. There's others out there as well. But really it helps you to focus on um, that understanding and then being, able to, then being able to say, hey, look, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is how, you know, and, then, and, and this is how we're all going to work together to, to be successful. After all that said and done, sometimes, you know, the, the, the coach of a company is, is the CEO. Uh, and if he's got a performer on the team who's poisoning that relationship, sometimes he just needs to get rid of him. Um, and it's unfortunate to say, but that's it's the reality. I mean, sometimes you will just have a poison player. You look at professional sports and they do it all the time. You go, why in the world would they trade him um, when, he was, when he was so amazing? Well, it's because he's poisoning the team. And I have so- given, I have given uh, CEOs that advice in the past. So looking at that scenario, the reality of the situation, at least from my point of view, is that the CEO, the leader makes that decision, but everybody else in the team knew that the decision should have been made six months ago. But the CEO holds off, and there's reasons for that that are more psychological. So why do you think CEOs hold off? They know what to do, but they don't want to do that particular thing till it's absolutely necessary to the detriment of the team. No one likes to be the bad guy. Uh, well, yep. some people do, and, and you know, they're sociopaths, but most people don't like to be the bad guy. They don't like change. Humans are hardwired to resist change. You know, mm-hmm. Bob's been with the company for, for 15 years. I don't want to fire Bob. Uh, I don't care if he's, if, if he's not uh, treat, you know, treating his coworkers well. I just, it's, it would be too different without him. I, I, I know Bob. Uh, and so they'll hold on to people. And I've seen that over and over again. Um, I've been a big believer in hire slowly, fire fast. Um, if you've and got so someone poisoning the team, yeah, super easy to say, incredibly difficult to do because sometimes you see someone and they just look bright and shiny and they're the ideal person. And if you don't slow that process down, there's a good chance I'll be guilty of it to hire that person. Oh my god, they're gonna be a rock star. Then, of course, firing, I'm a genius, but 
I'm totally crap at that stuff. Like just holding on to somebody a lot longer than I should. And I know better, but that need to be liked and that need to be a nice guy is, is pretty darn hot wired. Yeah. I've worked with and for a number of leaders through the years uh, who, who have that problem. It's, it's, it's prevalent in the industry. There's not a lot of people who are really good at that, at, at, you know, making the hard decisions when they should be making them. Um, and then in, in the long run, it's, it's, it's worse for them. Um, it affects them per, uh, personally and more profoundly because they've been stewing over it for months. Um, they know that they need to do it and they just keep putting it off. So it's, it, it, it really is um, an important skill set for an effective leader to learn. Brilliant. So if you were building a sales team from the ground up, what does that look like? So let's say I'm going to pick an industry. Let's say it's going to be uh, selling uh, SAP software, some kind of solution. Let's say it's a solution for uh, sales enablement. So your target's going to be a VP of sales or a chief revenue officer. How do you build a sales team to go make that happen? What does that look like? I prefer to start with raw talent um, and and build them up accordingly. So I look for potential um, and uh, rather than capability. Um, I look for people with the right mindsets, the people who are, are genuinely eager to learn, uh, who have the right type of personality. And I like to train them from the bottom up. You can't always do that. Um, so then in some cases, you have to go out and, and find uh, that, you know, that star or, or, you know, a higher performer with some experience. But I, I find I've been far more successful in the past in building them and training them from the ground up. Um, because a lot of times high performers bring baggage from previous previous organizations. There's a reason why they're looking somewhere else. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, they, they've, they've burnt themselves out, either burnt themselves out or burnt out their relationships at the company. Um, I'd rather find someone who I knew could collaborate with, uh, with the rest of my team and, and, and build that dream team from, from, from the start, making sure that everyone is, is capable of, 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 uh, working together. Um, because selling large enterprise uh, software, which I've done in the past is complicated. You need a strong sales engineer. You need strong um, um, uh, after sales support. You need, you know, folks in marketing. You need a, you need a team that can really you can really rely on each other. And it's it's not an individual uh, sport. Um, so being able to build that from the ground up is really important. I've come into organizations where I have um, inherited a sales team, and I've stepped back and really, you know, got to got to know each of the individuals. And you can tell fairly early on whether there's potential there or not. Um, the, the last company I was at, um, I inherited a salesperson um, who was struggling. But I, you know, after a couple of conversations, I saw real potential, mm-hmm. and I knew that all she needed was some coaching and guidance, and more importantly, um, you know, my confidence uh, and recognition. And sure enough, within six months, she was just hitting it out of the park. I've been so- on, the, on the flip side, yeah, where, where that doesn't happen. So let's kind of go back to what you said because uh, th- that really interests me. Part of the job of a leader is, because you talked about, you know, she kind of used your confidence to help her, is that part of the job of the leader is literally letting your charges borrow your confidence to go on a journey with you. And leaders that can do that get the best performance out of their people because they may not have the confidence in it, but they got the confidence in you. And if you've got a strong enough relationship, they'll start executing and start seeing results. And all of a sudden they start getting their own confidence. And that's like a magical thing. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I try to teach, you know, teach people that, you know, there's, there's wrong isn't wrong forever. Um, you, it, it's, it's, it's good to make mistakes. You're going to learn from mistakes and, sh- and sure, it may be painful in the short term, uh, but you're never going to be successful unless you try. 
um, and, and to build that confidence up. And, you know, I, I, I've worked closely with a lot of, of young salespeople um, and taught them the skills they need. It's, it's funny, the one skill in particular that I find most salespeople uh, need to build up is the art of listening. What was that? Um, the art of listening. That was joke. I'm sorry. Yes, I could not oh, help sorry, sorry. going there. So no, that's totally brilliant because I think uh, leadership and the right leadership and the right intent, you were talking about you know, learning from failures. And I think one of the things we need to teach our salespeople and our charges is very much you need to be a scientist because when things fail, either they'll blame other people or they'll blame themselves. And I think what they need to do is detach and go, okay, if I was a scientist looking at this, what really happened? And sometimes if you can't figure out, you've got your VP of sales with you looking at it and then you go, oh, okay, this is the step where it went wrong and here's why it went wrong. And it could have been my fault or not. But when you come at it from a scientist point of view, there is no agenda. That's how you get better faster. Absolutely. And people um, need to learn to not be afraid to have those frank discussions when something goes wrong. Um, they need to understand that you're there to use that uh, as an opportunity for the, the whole team to get better. Um, you know, they may have made a mistake, but maybe there was an area where, you know, they recognize that they're not the strongest and, 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 and you put them back in a, a similar situation. They're going to need some support in, in, in one area or the other. Maybe they'll never be good at, at you know, at X or Y. Um, and so let's let's put together a team that's going to make them successful. Um, and uh, I, it, it works. It, it absolutely works. The flip side of that is you'll get leaders um, who are bullies and who just, you know, it's all about them. You made me look bad. You know, we're not going to make our number. And, and that is not going to make a successful sales team. It's just not. No, not at all. So, John, what makes you happy? Helping other people. Life in general. I mean, I've, I, I love my family. I love traveling. Um, you know, we, you and I talked. I'm sitting here right now in the south of France. Um, I took a little bit of a leap uh, from from the COVID uh, world and, and decided to buy a buy a place in France uh, with my wife. So we're here sitting in France right now, uh, enjoying the beautiful weather. And uh, well, it's it's nighttime here right now, but um, enjoying the beautiful weather and and just life, uh, enjoying life. I just, that makes me happy. Um, working with a team and, and seeing someone who's been struggling um, and turning them around. That that person that I talked about earlier. That made me so incredibly happy. And, you know, at the end of the year hit, she, she blew her number out of the park and she was walking on a cloud. And, and that made me just to the moon happy myself. Ah, brilliant. So, John, what's one tip you would give our viewers and listeners that would allow them to be better, stronger, faster? So what's that one mind hack you'd like to share with our audience? Breathe and take a pause. Uh, now that was my turn. Um, Pause, pa pause and breathe. Too many people um, try to do things too fast. The, the art of the pause, um, believe it or not, is, is, is huge. Um, everyone, is everyone is thinking a million miles ahead of the conversation. Um, they need to learn to just stop and pause and reflect before they open their mouth, before they, um, and, and listen at the same time as they're pausing. Um, too many people um, try to do, try to go too fast. They think they have the solution. Um, and they'll talk them. I've seen so many salespeople talk themselves out of a sale. Yep. Um, the customer has said yes five times. And by the end of the, the, the meeting, they've said no, um, because the salesperson won't, won't stop talking. Brilliant. John, thank you so much for coming on the program. 25 minutes went like that. My pleasure. It was great meeting you. Thanks. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 